baseball fans. BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free to play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free to play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Find easy ways to store your outdoor tools and accessories at Menards. Suncast provides high quality and easy to assemble storage. Suncast storage sheds are the perfect solution for organizing and protecting your outdoor tools and equipment. Plus, their all-weather construction is low maintenance. Explore all our outdoor storage options in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. If you have a family relying on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. That's where Policy Genius comes in. In minutes, Policy Genius could save you 50% or more simply by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. To save on life insurance and get protection for you and your family, 
Head to PolicyGenius.com today. All right, it's film study for week six. We're going to look back at the defensive play of the Ravens as they hosted the Bengals this weekend. Ken McCusick, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing good. It's still playoff baseball. I'm enjoying that. There you go. So uh, you can't be enjoying the Yankees winning. Of course, nice to see the Astros pull one out last night. <laughs> right. And, no, it's the Yankees and the Nationals are in it, and I'm not enjoying oops. either of those, but it's still baseball, and it's something. Oh, right. But I, I'm excited uh, for Sarah Ellison, who's now becoming a recurring guest on the show. Welcome back, Sarah. What's up, guys? How are you? Sarah, it's just a pleasure to have you every time. And uh, you're, I think that you are not only our favorite guests, but you're our listeners' favorite guests from what I hear. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, it's always good, always nice to have you. Well, it's nice of people being so so generous. I'm curious if you're caught up on sleep. No, it's uh, I, I stay up until about noon or 1 o'clock. Actually, it's a little later than that today, so I, I'm not caught up on sleep yet, but I'll make it through the episode. I will say, I will say this. When I was working for the Ravens, Sunday nights were brutal. I am absolutely impressed with the amount of information that you get out in less than 24 hours. It is incredible. I, I, I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's definitely been a, 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 a sequence of very small gains over the years at getting a little bit better at it. We haven't, you know, it's, it's still way too, um, what's the word for it, that I wouldn't have any trouble if I'd had the right amount of sleep, uh, unautomated. Right. Yeah. Manual. Well, I'm, I'm excited, right. Ken, to see how you broke this game down because the 23-17 doesn't seem to tell the story of this game. No, it doesn't. They, they certainly blasted the Bengals in terms of snap count, in terms of yardage, in terms of first downs, in terms of uh, pretty much everything across the, across the board. When they really needed to, they put the game away in that fourth quarter with a 18-play, 83-yard field goal drive, which was the longest in the NFL this season. So a whole bunch of things to love about the way they handled this game, and I think they did put away an opponent well. Uh, didn't like the fact that the, the Bengals kind of moved up the field fairly easily for a score, but if you're going to pin your hopes to an onside kick in this league, it's not usually a, a particularly good proposition. This game could have easily been 27 or 31 to 7, mm-hmm. the, the way they played it. I mean, the Ravens spotted the Bengals – basically 10 points with the kickoff return. And then, you know, Mark Andrews fumble that basically gave him a field goal. Um, if, if the Ravens offense, you know, I'll talk, won't talk in them long because this is defense, but you finish those drives and, and make those field goals touchdowns. Uh, that one from the two was probably the most, the most frustrating where you just want to bang it. I mean, so that way, I mean, it could have easily been 27, 31, seven, and that would have reflected more how much the Ravens actually dominated the game. Yeah, it, w- it wouldn't. I don't even think it would have been a terrible idea on the last fourth and two to go ahead and go for it. Uh, there's, I, there's not I'm that much. Of, Lamar, it looked like he wanted to. He wanted yeah. to go back out there. So yeah, would have liked would have liked to score there, and that would have that would have certainly put the game away at that point. That would have put him up, uh, whatever, four more points. I guess it would have been 17 at the time. But yeah, it's uh, it's that it was a little frustrating that they didn't put them away a little more than that. I, I understand your point. I really hated the, the the fumble by Andrews. It seems like end of first half turnovers have been a problem for the Ravens the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, or was it in Kansas City? I forget where they. No, it's in Pittsburgh. Against Pittsburgh. 
Well, and I, I will I will put this out there because you know there there isn't you don't get the feeling from at least from Ravens Twitter and fans that there's not a lot of celebration because you wanted it to be a bigger win. And I get that. I mean, we've got a I mean a massive hard stretch coming coming up. The Ravens next six games, five of them will be winning teams. The first six games, five of them were losing teams. So you'd like to see them pound a winless team. But just to put it in perspective. The Chargers lost to Pittsburgh yesterday, mm-hmm. and the Cowboys lost to the winless Jets. So these AFC North games are going to be tight, you know, 90% of the time. So while the style points aren't there, they did deliver the results. And as such, in this crazy NFL season of 16 games, twisting and whining, it's okay to celebrate a win like this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I thought it was a good win. Uh What's more about it is I look for the indicators coming out of a win like this, and I thought the defense had a number of positive indicators. One of them got seriously mitigated today. We'll talk about that a little later. But the biggest positive indicator coming out of this game is they finally seem to have found a home for the green dot and a really good one when the green dot went to Chuck Clark. Oh, it was a good one. Yeah, so that had all sorts of implications that rippled through the defense, and we're going to talk a lot about that on this show. That's a lot of what we have to talk about. Uh, but Clark introduces a level of flexibility across the defense that gives the Ravens all sorts of options. And immediately Martindale took advantage of most, if not all of them, in this very first week. So just looking at what Clark does personally, he plays deep. He plays big nickel. He plays really on the strong safety side along with Thomas. He plays big nickel. And that was really a lot of his snaps before this current stretch, before Jefferson's injury. And then he can also play as either one of the two ILBs in the dime or quarter formation. So that's really all the places a safety plays in the NFL. Uh, That's an extremely versatile player. If that player also happens to be a smart guy who can call your defense and and know what's going on, especially for a guy who has been around three years but hasn't played, that tremendous bonus. The way the way I saw it, I felt like the Ravens had, for me, two or three candidates for that green dot. Uh, Bynes is one, but as you mentioned, and Harbaugh actually said similar to what you said, he didn't go with Bynes because Chuck was going to be on the field more. And Chuck is going to be on the field more because of all that flexibility. You maybe could have had Earl, but I don't think he's still at that place yet where he has a command over the defense and here's what's crazy i don't know that you can get a better compliment than this when you're a reserve safety here comes earl thomas to your team and earl realizes so quickly how smart and talented that you are that he says to you why did they sign me when they've got you <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's just that's just incredible and so his flexibility, he was he uh, with the green dot, you have to be on there for for one hundred percent of the snaps. but but as you said, he was everywhere. He was everywhere, which is just tremendous when you're coming in from a reserve role. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what it means in terms of flexibility. Because he has the green dot, that means Martindale can substitute for both inside linebacker positions freely. Uh, he, he, it's optimum his. His positioning on the field, and this is one of the reasons why he got it over Thomas, is optimal for signal relay. Now, why is that true? Because Thomas plays one of the deepest center fields in the NFL, may often be on a nine route at the end of a play. He's not the ideal guy to be signaling in the play. Now, we had Weddle doing it last year from free safety. 
but it's really not optimal. They would prefer to have a strong safety or inside linebacker are the two positions you'd like to like to have handling that green dot, handling the signal calling. Because of the ability to substitute the for the inside linebacker positions, they got two things out of that. They really maximize the use of Bynes and Ford. And we want to talk a little bit about that because I'm very excited about both of them and what their contributions were. But he also was able to play that uh, quarter package and the uh, the dime package more often than he would otherwise. Right. I think in that in that quarter package, um, you've got your your traditional three corners there, and then you got your four safeties. In that quarter, you've got Levine and Chuck going into the inside linebacker, and then Deshaun, which again is why he's a big loss. He could go back into that safety position so that Chuck and Levine could play those the, the, those linebacker snaps. Um, so, yeah, just tremendous to be able to move around like that. Yeah, it's, it's really good to see. And, and let's talk about Elliot for a, for a little bit because it appears now he's gone for the year. At least that's the initial prognosis from Harbaugh and the doctors. And I, I don't know if he's been officially put on IR yet, but they were certainly talking that way this afternoon. Uh, big loss for the Ravens. And one of the big things they lost was an ability from guy a guy who had an ability to play the back end. And that was something that they weren't sure of on Elliott. And it was one of the big questions about him as a prospect is whether he was truly a free safety or just a strong safety prospect. I've really liked what I've seen in his ability to roam, bracket, and as we saw by the right sideline, uh, disrupt the play even when he comes in second. This this is a big, big loss. And um, for a couple reasons. Number one, you've obviously already lost Tony Jefferson. And when they lost Tony Jefferson, you're you're sad for the man. You're you're losing a lot of leadership and and a regular starter. But you almost felt okay because of Chuck and Deshaun. And so you know the the play that stood out to me was the the ball to Tyler Boyd with Humphrey in coverage that he probably would have caught. And then Deshaun comes over, hits him, and dislodges the ball. And that's what you've always liked to see from from Elliott. And so at that point, I'm thinking in my mind, this is great. I mean, Chuck and, and, and Deshaun, they're going to be able to do this. And, and then to see him go out like that is just, it, it's so hard because it, he helped absorb the loss of, of Tony. Then on top of it, I don't know if you can still have as much flexibility with, with Chuck Clark now, what we've been talking about. Deshaun helped allow that flexibility. And then also you lose his special teams. Deshaun Elliott played a lot of special team snaps. So, so it's a big loss. And now the Ravens are going to have to go outside the organization to try to figure out how to replace him. All, all on the money there. All on the money. The special teams especially. But the there is some lost flexibility. Honestly, we didn't know who was going to play deep in this game because Elliott had played a lot of the non-standard dime snaps the week before. So he could have been an equal candidate to mm-hmm. play those linebacker role dime slash quarter snaps uh, you know, Levine is always in there as kind of the dime back. He replaces the Will linebacker, but who replaces the Mike linebacker is still up in the air. I think it could have been either of them. They've lost that flexibility now. If they bring in another safety, I want it to be a versatile guy. And I've heard Bennett Jackson's name already come up. I don't know if he's been officially signed yet, but they need a guy who can play both the back end as the strong safety and also play in the box. So it's it's not a not everybody is really good for that role. You want somebody who's a little bit bigger playing safety to do that. Not quite as big as Owasso, but a but you know a, a guy who's 200, 205, somewhere in there who can who can handle the physicality of that position. 
Right. I mean, with how much the Ravens are playing so heavy with the DBs, I mean, that opens the door. You've, you've got these, these linebackers are what, 230, 235. Safeties, like you said, if you have them big, you're at 200, 205. And you're in the middle like that, you're going to be delivering hits and you're going to be mm-hmm. taking hits. And so those extra 20, 25 pounds, you know, that's why they have linebackers in there. So <laughs> you're, you're, you're correct. Um, Jeff Zriebeck reported that the Ravens are trying to get uh, Bennett Jackson. The Jets could always try to go ahead and sign him to their active roster to prevent that. Um, I think that Bennett would make a lot of sense because here's the thing. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of fans asking for these bigger names, but you need somebody now. You need somebody right now because you've already lost so many pieces. Bennett Jackson makes sense because he was here during the preseason and over the summer. So at least he knows the defense. Even if the Ravens sign him, it wouldn't shock me if the Ravens still added more. Yeah, ready to go. You know what he's got. Ready to go. He can play special teams immediately. That's a huge thing because they, if they go out and they sign Eric Berry, Eric Berry doesn't want to play special teams. He might, but right. he, he, you know, he doesn't want to. I, I, I really... It's one of the most difficult things about being on Twitter and having your tweet deck up all day is oh. seeing all these things come by about how every big name free agent or every big name wide receiver, particularly that that everybody wants them. <laughs> yeah, well, and I isn't that the same thing true with DJ Swearinger? Didn't he? Yeah. There were reports that he got cut because he didn't want to play special teams. I mean, that, that's not going to jive with John Harbaugh. <laughs> no, it's it, it wouldn't. And he's 28 years old, and he's obviously lost something in terms of being cut by Arizona after four games. I mean, I, I guess there's other reasons why that would happen, but Arizona, they'd be looking to trade a player like DJ Swearinger, I would think, and they probably asked around and there were no takers. Right, they couldn't do no. it. Yeah. No. Hey, let me throw this out to you, Ken. Uh, we're talking about the immediate future of the safeties. Long term, is Tony Jefferson back next year? No, it's not a sure thing. Uh, you know, we'll see how Clark plays. I think that that's part of the question. I, I think Jefferson's status for next year was up in the air no matter what because it's the fourth year of a four-year deal so you always had that question coming up in terms of the, of the value uh but you know it's 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 the tbd item yeah. elliot El, we've seen something from elliot unfortunately we've seen an injury two years in a row um you know we've we've certainly seen something from clark and we'll, we'll see how that continues but clark will be a fourth year player next year honestly with their age at safety because levine and thomas are not spring chickens they need to draft one so they're going to need to draft one fairly high. It, it, this this is the time it'd be really nice to have Derwin James. Other than Derwin James is also on IR, <laughs> so uh, yeah, there are a lot of things to to try and fix. Yeah, I, I I think it'll hinge more on. I don't think the money's that that big of a deal. I mean, the Ravens are going to have cap space. It would be four point six million in dead money if they cut them. They'd save seven million. But I think a lot more determines. You know, if it depends on you know how, how much do you like Chuck Clark this year. And like you said, you got to start getting some younger bodies in there. We've, they've invested a lot of money to that safety position. Um, so, you know, higher draft picks might be next. Right. I, I think that's probably the way it'll go. Just because the age at the position, they got to get younger. And that's why I like the idea. The one guy I heard as a, as a possibility was, is it Josh Jones from the Dallas practice squad? The guy who's a, a I think he's a third year player. Uh, you know, he, he, he played reasonably well last year, not, not a, not a star, but, but, you know, probably a combination of special teams and deep safety who has some cover skills. That's the kind of player who might make sense. You know, you get an extra right. year, you get an option year on the guy at an RFA price. 
I mean, I, I, that's the that's the kind of guy I'd be excited about getting. If there's a second year player out there on somebody's practice squad is undervalued, which is probably a little less likely at this point in the year, I'd like that even more. Right, and I'll just throw out there that I don't think for any fans that are wondering that there would be any big time trade or anything like that because I know that's always the first thing on their mind. Uh, I don't think that's how you you fill this spot. It's exactly what you just said. Yeah. Okay. Great stuff. We got to get back to this game and talk about the defense a little bit. Um, I really love the play of Bynes and Fort, and we can talk about this a little bit. But let's start with Bynes. Uh, you know, obviously a very exciting game in terms of being a run stopper, which is exactly what he came you know as advertised for. But the other thing, obviously, last week he vulched a pick, which is great. I love to have a guy vulture pick, but that play was in front of him. So you don't you, you don't you don't give a ton of extra credit points, some for vulching it, but 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 not a ton of extra credit. The play yesterday is one we haven't seen a Ravens linebacker make in a long time. And that's a play <laughs> on a ball behind him. And the last one is probably CJ Mosley on fourth down last year. And uh, sorry, go ahead. That's I, I just I'm very excited that that he made the play on the ball, tipped it up, and Humphrey got the pick. I, I went back and and watched that play. I mean, he read that one. He read yeah. that one. He didn't bite. He just, you know, he was he was watching Dalton, and I mean, just the quick reflex to get over there. Um, that's two games in a row, and the only two games that he's played this season coming off the street that he had a hand in an interception. Um, he he played, it was it fewer snaps this time? He had 37. I think that was a bit fewer, but still a lot, um, considering, you know, how long he's been on the team. Three tackles, one for loss, the pass deflection. He is a godsend <laughs> with, yeah. with what's going on. And and what's interesting is that Kenny Young and Board were both active. And I don't know what's worse for Young, whether he was inactive last week or he was active this week and didn't play a snap on defense. Yeah, I both. mean, Bynes, yeah. Bynes and Fort just have the veteran seasoned – savviness of of knowing where to be they're not the next cj mosley or the next uh ray lewis but they know where to be and they're there and they're dependable yeah that's it's, it's very exciting in both cases i and it's very true though uh, you know if you're bored or you're kenny young or you're a wasso because a wasso's day to day and he's going to come back at some point and right. when he does where do you fit him in because that's a real question as, as far as I'm concerned right now. Maybe you play some of the weak side linebacker snaps and, and you reduce him to a 50% or so role. You have Levine there you know, on the dime snaps, and then you have maybe somebody else taking some snaps too. If that's Fort, uh, you know, I think that would be a possibility. So it'll really come down to how much of Fort's playing time does Owasa win back uh, when he comes back. I think Bynes is fairly safe right now at the mic roll. I think Bynes is safe. That's I. That's That's interesting. I wasn't... I didn't know if I was ready to put Fort in over uh, Peanut. Um, although I will say, and again, you're talking about things that we saw from linebackers we haven't seen before. Fort getting a pass deflection in coverage on a tight end. I mean, it was just like, yeah. when's when's the last time you've seen that? But I, I maybe we'll get this. I think you're going to talk more about the quarter defense um, and how often it was used. But I didn't know if that was a a because Peanut wasn't out there, or do you think they're going to continue doing that even if Peanut is back? Well, if the if Peanut is back, I think they would still continue with the quarter if they had a safety they could trust because they can't trust Peanut in coverage. 
Okay. I think that's I think they've been determined on that. And, and I think, you know, now that we've seen the difference from a good inside linebacker in coverage and Peanut, who's not a good inside linebacker in coverage, they really kind of understand that. And, and it would be it would it would draw more ire from the fans. Not, not that they care entirely about that to 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 put Peanut back in there. But I, I see Peanut basically returning to his role of last year as a um, uh, one of three weak side linebackers playing mm. a significant role in a platoon and maybe being fresher will really help him do some of the things he did last year. Well, right. Right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, we talked a little bit about Elliot already in terms of things. They had six safeties on this team and they're down to three now. I mean, the other loss we didn't talk about was Brandon Trawick who played pretty well in the dime during the preseason. So he would be a guy if he were still around, I would trust him. I'd put him in there in exactly that role. I mean, it's it's so depressing to see all these all of these guys, yeah, that that could have done it, but they're all down. I mean, I just remember in training camp when you know it was just like, look at all these guys. There's so many people that could even be a starter, and and they're just it's just decimated now. It's just decimated. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Trawick would have been another guy that would have been great there. Yeah, it would have embarrassment of riches in that preseason. And really, there was a question. I, I didn't think they could possibly keep Trawick. Uh, they would probably have lost him if they did. And they I think they ended up not keeping him and then de, uh, putting Iman Marshall on IR. And then they re they rebrought him, if I recall correctly. So they had a sweetheart deal of something going on with him. But I didn't I didn't really understand why they'd keep him otherwise. And we do have the thing coming up where Bethel has to be cut for a draft pick. Yeah. And it may be more serious now, given that Urban hasn't played too much, too much to get into right now. But Bethel is certain to be cut before week 10. And it would really be nice to have another special teams player because the team is now sagging a little bit in a special teams area where they had been very effective to start the season. Well, let me put put this out there. Um, I'm in Marshall. Mm -hmm. He should... Uh, and I, I, you, you may know better than me. I don't remember how much he he did on special teams, but he should be eligible this week to come back to practice. Um, John Harbaugh was asked about that today, but he couldn't confirm it. He said he needed to talk to Eric DeCosta to, to Eric DeCosta to be sure. But um, that's one guy, and hopefully along with with Jimmy, who doesn't you know play much special teams, but that's a guy in the secondary, two guys that they could be getting back. Right. I think I think the reason he might need to verify that with DaCosta is that once he starts practicing, he practices for three weeks and then has to be activated or not. Right. So so there's a limited they have a limited window there. But that's that's interesting. And I, I'd certainly like to see that. And I think as far as I've heard, he's still been noncommittal on Jimmy. Nothing new on that. Right. That you've heard. Nothing new on that. He's been pretty um, um, quiet on it. Um uh, you know, my guess, and it's only a guess that's been here for a while, is that I would think that Jimmy needs at least two weeks of practice. So uh, my my guess has been this whole time that he he would come back to practice this week but not play against Seattle, use the bye, and then come back from New England. That's always but what I've been guessing, but we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but every time – you know, Harbaugh talks, it's, it's optimistic, but, mm. but you don't know until he's out there. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. He's very optimistic about injuries. He doesn't want to give anything away. So right. uh, it is what it is. All right. Well, let's, let's go on and move on to packages. We talked about some, you know, some players who have, frankly reinvented that inside linebacker position completely, which was exciting, but let's talk packages here. 
Ravens use a lot of different packages, and, and each one of them has kind of a new twist. So I want to go through that. We've talked in the past about the jumbo nickel on this show, and that's a three-three-five nickel in Madden, if you know it mm-hmm. by that. But it's an unusual nickel where you play three down linemen, only one inside linebacker, and then still a nickel defense. So you're, you make your sacrifice an inside linebacker. So they played uh, a number of snaps of the three-three-five nickel. Let me get the exact number for you here. Uh, they played four snaps of jumbo nickel. And they also uh, two sorry all four of those were ones where they also played a three safety alignment, which is basically the big nickel uh, formation. So it was a like a big slash jumbo nickel, which sounds stupid, but that's really what it was in terms <laughs> of its descriptive wording. They played the basic big nickel twice. Uh, so anyway, there's almost no package that didn't work against the Bengals. The jumbo nickel was four plays for 29 yards, so nothing nothing too serious to say about that. The big nickel was uh, two plays for four yards at 2.0 per play. The dime they had in there, and this is just their standard dime, 24 times. Now, they split the snaps there. Elliott took 10 snaps and Levine took 14. And the nice thing about that was Clark was positioned deep when Levine was in or he was positioned as a linebacker when Elliott was in so Elliott could play deep. So there's a, they have a nice rotational ability in that dime to, to play it a couple of different ways. Now we get on to the really exciting things they did, though. Anything to say about that so far? Sorry, well, I mean, I mean, I, it looked like the majority majority was was the dime, um, and and I know you're going to get into more, but but it it just taking a step back from all those these these new packages and, and what you're saying. Last year, deservedly so, the offensive coaches there was a lot of focus on them reinventing the offense when they switched from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson, wink Martindale. I mean, I just can't imagine him. I mean, he is probably up all hours of the night, like a mad scientist trying to come up with these packages to maximize the strengths of the personnel that he has. And that's kind of what you're, what you're explaining right now, right? Like just these, these different ways that he's trying to find out what works best and then every time you think he's found some something, somebody you know gets injured or, or something like that. He just deserves a lot of credit. And I know it was the Bengals. But to hold them to 250, 33 mm-hmm. rushing, uh, I mean, they really got nothing going all day. And and they didn't have a lot of pieces, but look what Wink is working with. Yes. You know? And 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 he is emptying his playbook here. And, and coming up with as much as he can. And I commend him for that. Right. It's, it's, you're right on the money with that. It's, it's the, he's turning now what is probably the 24th best offense or defense talent wise in the NFL and maybe the 22nd, but you know, wherever they are, he's, he's moving them up to play like the 18th or 19th or 16th best. And that could be good enough for the Ravens to get into the playoffs because their offense is in the top tier now. If he can make this defense an average defense, (laughs) I would be jumping for joy. And like you said, with the way the offense is moving the ball, they have to finish. But they're number one in in yards. An average defense will get this done. Yeah, he he got more out of those players. You know, in a lot of ways, I look at this team and and compare it to the evolution of the 98 to 99 Ravens defense under Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis was always a great defensive coach, but between 98 and 99, he got some additional talent. And then all of a sudden, with some star players in star positions, that that, that, uh, defense took a great leap forward with McAllister and Ray and and Bulware and Sharper and Siragusa and 
Woodson and a bunch of others, McCrary, uh, they were ready to finally take that great step. That's not going to happen right away with Martindale because we're still in 1998 with this defense, this this defense in the in the relative sense. But uh, but that's where we are. Anyway, uh, we move on. We'll talk about the quarter defense next. Yeah. The, the quarter defense is very rarely used in the NFL. Now, we the Ravens are familiar with it largely because they played the Chargers last year in the playoffs, and the Chargers used it over 50 snaps. Um, no, no, there aren't very many teams in the entire NFL who use it often. In Ravens history, only the 1996 Ravens used it 116 times, and the 2000 Ravens, who used it 62 times, used it at least 40 times in a season. Uh, two other times they've been over 30 in their entire team history. They used it eight times in this game, and it would have been significantly more because they were poised to use it for that entire last drive until the injury by Elliott stopped them from doing it. So they had the quarter out there. They weren't going. They weren't going away from it, and uh, and they, they unfortunately Elliott got hurt and that put an end to the quarter. So I think if they find that next safety who can really fill that fourth slot, whether it. Probably they would like him to be an inside linebacker because they probably don't want to take that same chance all the time with Clark. But if they find that 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 additional safety who can who can fit into this uh, this quarter somehow, uh, it'll be very exciting. Yeah, that's what that's what that that begs the question. Like you said, as soon as uh, Elliot went down, like you said, they had to, they had to move away from it. And so bringing you know, a guy like Bennett Jackson off the street or you know, or off of the Jets practice squad or somebody else off the street can't, do they feel more comfortable with that person, you know, over a, a you know, a traditional inside linebacker to be able to keep, keep that quarter package going. And I'd be interested to see that. Right. So they, they, uh, let's see, how did this go down here? I'm looking at the right game here. I am. So when Elliot left, they went back to Fort. And it was about a three-play break there, but they went back to Fort as the player who plugged that additional role for five snaps for the remainder of that drive. Uh, in any case, that may be the way they have to go for a while is go to a yeah. dime with Fort. Uh, that's certainly possible. I think they would much prefer to have a safety there instead of Fort, even though, you know, we got a good game of pass defense out of Fort, certainly in this one. Yeah, right, right. You, you totally do. That's going to be the question. It's Wink is going to be like, do I want Fort or do I want if it's Bennett Jackson? Bennett, and that's who you're. That's what you're weighing. Who's better? Who's better in coverage? Who's more reliable? Who's going to be where they're supposed to be? Right. Defensive coordinators have a fear. Pease did in spades of teams that'll gain one yard short of the line to gain, even against your seven man, seven DB unit. And then they'll be too small to, to defend fourth and one. But the, the ideal time is exactly when the Ravens are planning to use it here. They use it a little bit on third and third and medium, third and long throughout the game. But they also used it for for the first three drives of that last play when the when they know that the Bengals are playing four down football and have to get in the end zone a couple of times. That's the perfect time you want the it, seven it, DBs available to you. It's the it's the obvious passing situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you said, all those third downs, those those first downs were clearly when the Bengals were trying to get back in the game and they had to go deep. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we have one other package to talk about. And this is a doozy because this is something the Ravens use. And I'm going to take you back a little bit historically. Okay. The Ravens have never had never prior to 2018 ever had a snap run with four or five outside linebackers on the field and zero defensive alignment. I went all the way back to the beginning of 96, 
looked at every single one. It's actually only about a two-hour project. I thought it would take longer. Oh my but, gosh! But, yeah, but I went back. <laughs> I went back for all of them, and uh, they had never run this previous to, to 2018. Now, here's the weird thing: in 2018, they ran a five OLB package three times against Buffalo. Sack, interception, sack on those three plays. They had three third-down plays, including the third play of the game. They ran it again, a four OLB package against, with no defensive lineman, against Denver. They did that three times, and I want to get this right. They had run for zero, sack for zero, incomplete pass. So in mm. the team history, they have never given up a positive play when they've had four outs of four or five outside linebackers on the field in this race car package. Obviously, Small pass- sample size. Is small sample size, but that's a hell of a result. There's some signature, <laughs> right. the, the the data scientist term is signature significance to that data. Okay, okay. so two, two questions real quick. Yes, you're you're counting Jiha Ward as an outside linebacker, correct? I I am. Okay, and, and that's where he lined up. I, I I looked at him as saying, "Hey, that's another defensive lineman." Why do they have six defensive linemen active for this game? But that wasn't where he played. He played right. he played on the outside standing for the snaps where he wasn't asked to be an inside pass rusher. So that tells me he's an outside linebacker, not a, not a defensive lineman. Sorry, even sh- though, sorry, go ahead. Even though he has been labeled that way previously in Indianapolis, I'm aware. Right. Well, that's, I think it was on Thursday. So we're a couple of days before the game. Maybe he was just trying to hide it, but uh, Wink was asked where they were going to play him. And he's like, I don't know where he's going to fit in, in this defense. He goes, he goes, he hasn't even been fitted for his pads yet, so so That's give good. me a minute. Uh, so so that might that might be our answer that he's going to be used used as a as an outside linebacker, um, hoping to help with that pass rush. Yeah, I I think that's it. I mean, he had three pressures in the game as I scored it. Now I only count the non penalty snaps. He had twenty one, and the, he had one of the lowest yards per play while he was in there. So he did a good. He was in for both sacks. So I mean, it's. The, the pass rush picked up when they went to this race car package. Now, they'd, they'd only played it six times previously in team history. They played it 15 times in this game. That is crazy. It is absolutely insane. I've never heard anything like it. So, so it, uh, now I thought that I had seen Matt Judon in like a inside linebacker role. Would that have been here? Well, he, since I... I, I'm going by what personnel group he is normally. doesn't matter where he's standing to start the thing, because otherwise we'd, we'd call McPhee a defensive right, lineman every right. time he lined up inside. So it's, I'm going by he's an outside linebacker if he's in the game. I, I got you. I got you. I was just wondering if that's if that they, if they lined him up out there, even though you're counting him as an outside linebacker. Right. So he's, he, they've, they've lined up Judon inside, certainly. Judon's mm-hmm. certainly been standing at times, and I'm sure there have been times when he's been off the line of scrimmage and looked for a place to stunt to. Because that's not that's not atypical, but but anyway, the if anybody wants to go back and look at this, they had third and six on the first Cincinnati drive in Q four. It was the last play they put in the race car package. Then the Ravens did not play another defensive lineman for eight consecutive snaps. Ten wow. if you include two penalties. They did not even put a defensive lineman on the field. So as, a, as they ended that drive with a with an incomplete pass, then they had incomplete pass for twenty one sack for minus nine. Incomplete, two penalties in a row. One of them on the Ravens, I think, it was McPhee's unfortunate penalty. Then a, another incomplete, another sack for minus nine, and a pass for twenty-nine. We're not quite there yet, and two more incomplete passes. No, no, sorry, that's it. That was it. Then they brought Ricard back in the game. So, uh, anyway, 
just an, a, an amazing run of a defense that they that they never used before. Wink is the inventor, as far as I'm concerned, in Baltimore. There have been other guys that have used it in the NFL, but this is this is a it's a good way to get the pass rush going. And in those 15 snaps that they used it, both of their sacks occurred. Well, and the other thing, first of all, inventor is the exact word I was thinking of as you were laying that all out. Second thing, I think we were all kind of surprised that the Ravens took less you know, interior defensive lineman coming out of, uh, you know, the initial 53 man roster. Um, I think it helps in terms of keeping those guys fresh because you've, you've noted many times that, that, you know, the Ravens and Wink have always liked rotating those interior guys to keep them fresh. And this is certainly another way to do it. Yeah. Great point because, uh, the inside line, sorry, the interior defensive linemen, the guys who are down, they only played, Okay, I have a total number of snaps, but it's 1.58 per defensive play, which is their lowest that I can ever recall. Mm -hmm. But in any case, last year, they had a team low of 1.90 per play. And I believe otherwise in this game, they were at about, uh, otherwise for the season, they might be at 171 or 180. So it's it, they're, they're already at historic lows of using these guys. Mm -hmm. And now they're going to use them. Without, but they do need them. They need them to stop the run. And they got 30 snaps out of Pierce. 25 out of Williams, again, excluding the penalties. Wormley played 18 snaps. They only needed seven snaps out of Ricard. I like that a lot because seven snaps of Ricard means he's focusing on offense, and that's where he needs to really be freshest. And the other one was was Zach Sealer, who was active, and I'm trying to figure out why they need six defensive linemen, but then it became obvious that Sealer looked fresh when he was in there and didn't look bad. Made a nice mm -hmm. rundown on the tackle. It was missed by Judon in the middle of the field on the 22-yard play. That's that's all great. I mean, it is. It's all about in that fourth quarter. You got to keep them fresh. Um, and and I just lost my point. I had another thought, but maybe it'll come back to me in a little bit. <laughs> all right. Great stuff. It happens to all of us. And, yeah. and I, 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 I would tell you it gets better, but it doesn't. You're going to get to be my age and it's going to actually get worse. You'll forget words and faces and things like that. Right. All right. So we could talk a little bit about the pass rush. How about that? Sure. This is probably I I appreciate again how inventive and uh, Wink was, but this is a more depressing part of the the uh, show for me. <laughs> All right. I was not as bothered by the pass rush as everybody else seems to be because people mm -hmm. focus on sacks and they didn't get a lot of sacks, but they obviously made Dalton very uncomfortable. He had a terrible day. I mean, he has 64 rating and you know threw a pick and uh, he got read by the inside linebacker. He. He had to move some, but even when he wasn't moving, he was he was playing in a phone booth a lot of the time. So I didn't think it was nearly as bad. He did a good job of getting the ball out quickly. There were twelve. Very cases. good. Yeah, twelve cases out of forty-one, and that was most of his good play. Was on roughly those thirty percent of the snaps, a little bit less, where he got the ball out quickly. Thirteen times only he had ample time and space, and those results didn't even end up that great for for. Uh, for Dalton. It's like he needs a little adversity, but not a lot of adversity kind of thing. <laughs> I, I, I honestly was when I saw your ample time and space that that um, I mean, that's good news. I mean, 13 of 41. That's great. And like you said, it is it's it is somewhat hard to judge um, with sex, especially when he's when Dalton's doing a lot of three step drop backs and getting rid yes. of the ball quickly. I mean, there's you know, the best pass rushers, I mean, it's going to be tough to, to fin finish with a sack when he's getting rid of the ball that quickly. Um, so so you're right in that sense that, I mean, you can't determine, you can't judge everything based off of sacks. 
That's right. That's right. So a fair amount of deception, fair amount of numbers used by Martindale. I'm going to go across my, my, my chart here on the numbers. We'll give these guys something that they don't otherwise get in the article. But they rushed the passer uh, one time with uh, three men, a six-yard gain, 16 times with four, uh, 6.1 per play, 16 times with five, 76 total yards, 4.8 per play, uh, six times for 32 with six, a so 5.3 per play, and two times for five with seven. Frankly, everything worked. If you don't ever give up over 6.1 yards per pass on any number of individual rushers, then all of your numeric choices are probably pretty good. In fact, the mix of numeric choices are probably pretty good, I would say. All right. But beyond numeric choices, they had deception. And they did a lot of that because, as we know, not all four-man pass rushes are the same. If you rush the the, the Cincinnati Bengals, almost always when they rush four, it's a 4-0 pass rush as we chart it, which means they rush the four guys they show you at the line of scrimmage and they drop the seven that they show you into coverage and they do the best job they can trying to cover your receivers and right. trying to and they try and win those matchups. But Martindale used a fair number, fair amount of deception in this game. Uh, 14 individual blitzers, those are guys who were uh, – at least as far out as a slot receiver or at least one and a half yards off the line of scrimmage. This is the one I found interesting. Ten stunts. And I thought, why would they use ten stunts in a game? Hmm. I thought non-cohesive line hasn't been playing together the whole time. Right. Uh, maybe you get a better chance to, to, to burn people. They're obviously on the other side of the ball. It's fairly obvious Bozeman was targeted for stunts a couple of different times in this game. Uh, but I think there were, the, the Bengals had similar weaknesses on their line. Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, they, they def- that, that's what, Ken, I, I like that we're trying to, that we are positive and it's, it's supposed to be that way um, it, when, when, when you see it there. The, the, thing that, the thing that bothers me is here, here we're coming in, and if there was, if, and again, Dalton was getting the ball out quickly, if there was a team that the Ravens were going to get a sack party going. Mm-hmm. This was it. Uh, what was it? Let me see here. Dalton had been sacked 20 times coming into this game. Mm-hmm. Third most in the league. Not only was his starting left tackle gone, injured, but then for this game, his backup was, and then they switched out the the left guard with, with poor play. And so... Uh, Again, he was he was getting the ball out quickly, but then you've got all these blitzers, you've got these deceptive blitzes, and and it's just to me frustrating that there, there that, that there isn't a finish that nobody that it's it's not finishing until you know finally it came late in in uh, on that final drive where where the Bengals were were had, where Dalton had to hold on to it, but I guess that's my problem is like you know I I appreciate the ample time and space and all of that, but it's just like but coming in. They gave up the third most sacks in the league. If the Ravens can't finish it on them, where's the hope to do it? Okay, let me. Uh, you you did a great job with glasses half empty girl. I'm going to play <laughs> glasses half full guy here, and I'll tell you why some of this may occur that way. Okay. Whatever a team's biggest weakness is, they look to cover that weakness as closely as they can. So the the Bengals know that their offensive line's a piece of crap. Okay. And, and and they decided, we, the first thing we need to do is we need to run all the slants and, and screens and everything mm-hmm. else we did. And they ran them all. Um, 
to get the ball out quickly and make sure that 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 ball gets in the hands of our receivers before we get sacked. And that's why we see that predominance of three and five step drops, the shorter throws Mm -hmm. to to get that out of there. All elements of deception generally take time. Stunts in particular take a lot of time. Uh, Blitzers can even take a little bit of time. You're trying to get a free run and, and, and it can be quick, but most of the time that takes time, too. So okay. unless unless Dalton gives you the opportunity to sack him, you don't really have that good an opportunity to sack him. He has to be trying to throw some route that's quicker than a slant pass uh, in order to do that. You get your hands up, maybe you knock some balls down, maybe you get it get a pick that way. But it's just it's just harder to pick up sacks. And I, I've noticed this over the years is that whenever I expect a huge sack game, because oh my God, it's our pass rush against this lousy offensive line, it just rarely seems to work out that way. Okay. The best the best guy you want is flustered quarterback. Like Marcus Mariota last year, flustered quarterback is the best opportunity for, for big sack totals. So right, we'll look for an opportunity right. for that. <laughs> well, I appreciate the role reversal. I'm used to playing the the half the glass half full on Twitter. So it's nice to, you know, have that role reversal for once. Yeah, me too. I, I hate being the negative <laughs> Nelly, so that's good news. Okay, nine deceptive blitzes in this in this game as I score, and that includes two man drops. And when you anytime you combine two two of those things on one blitz, you've uh, you've got a deceptive blitz. So uh, you know it was a that's a very deceptive game they played. I thought it was appropriate given the given the Bengals line. I thought it did create some pressure that was useful. I'm not as down certainly on that. And uh, I liked what McPhee did as a rusher. I didn't like the penalties, but I really liked what he did in terms of the heavy hands from the inside. One of the things I just keep noticing is McPhee climbing the pocket almost just directly with his hands. I mean, it's almost like he comes at the guy directly opposite of him and he goes, punch, 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 punch. Each one of them driving the guy about a half yard back. It's almost like he's playing a video game or something <laughs> where, you you know, you, you, you do it and you beat the guy back into the quarterback. But uh, uh, thought he, I thought he played well. I, I really like both McPhee and Judon in this game. Um, <clears throat> McPhee is a dog I just I, I'm so glad that the the Ravens brought him back. I I do want and and John Harbaugh <clears throat> said this today at his Monday presser. Um, I want I'm I'd like to see <clears throat> McPhee and Judon uh, be more aware of how referees are calling. Yes. Um, yeah, the 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 yeah the the the, the passer. I don't know why I'm the, the word is roughing the, passer. roughing the passer. Thank you. I was doing it backwards, roughing the passer, the way they're calling it. And so that's fine. You can disagree with it all day long. Um, but, but you have to be more aware and against better offenses. I mean, those, those penalties really kept that last drive for the Bengals going. It was the only drive that really you could put on the defense um, with, with giving them points, and it was just those penalties, and you, you know, you're just like, just finish the game, and it, and it was those, uh, you know, penalties that were correct by the referees that that were getting them. So I'd like to see um, more control once they get there, and 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 showing that they understand how the refs are going to call those penalties. Right, McPhee actually got knocked down on the play where he got RTP'd, and it looked like might have been Bowser had the hand in the face of the quarterback. And McPhee got up off the ground as he was releasing the ball, and then he knocked him down. It was 
it really was a question of lateness there. He didn't hit him low, that's for sure. And even though mm-hmm. the announcer mentioned that, but I think it was I think it was more a matter of lateness, and it was a bang bang late call. I mean, it's not the sort of thing that certainly not the kind of thing that I remember McPhee being called for in 2014 when he had a lot of late quarterback hits. Mm. Yeah, I mean they're I mean they're calling him. I mean the the one against uh, Lamar against Pittsburgh. I mean it was at the waist. I mean it's just mm-hmm. it's it's crazy the way they're calling him. You know, one more thing I want to go back to about this pass rush is that they really got after the quarterback. They did all sorts of things to stunt, which that exposes you, by the way, against the run. They did all kinds of things to blitz. That can expose you or it can help you against the run. And they didn't give up anything on the ground. No. I mean, they gave up one 17-yard jet sweep to a wide receiver. The longest <laughs> run otherwise the Bengals had was three yards in this game. I, I, I was very – I think it was uh, – Mixon was held to 10 yards, was it? Um, 33 overall for – I mean, it was very impressive. I mean, the, the Bengals coming into this basically had two playmakers that they could lean on. Mixon was one of them. You know, the, the rush defense – Williams and Pierce and company all shut that down. And then it was Boyd and Humphrey took care of that. So, I mean, they really had nothing going for them. They had good answers for those guys. How about we talk about some individual performances? We we talked about some of this on the way by, but anything else to say about Jihad Ward? Uh, Not much more. I mean, I'm, I'm 37% of the snaps, defensive snaps, 23, two tackles. Uh, so, I mean, not a lot on the stat sheet, but, but, um, you know, they got him in there, and I think he's going to work get worked in even more. Yeah, they didn't give any of the run defenders much to work with in terms of tackle count in this game. I mean, they only ran the ball 14 times in the whole game, and, and you know, a lot of the passes were incomplete. The passes that were complete, Kennedy was making the tackle on them. Unfortunately, he led the team with nine tackles. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's it, it, the, the – the interior guys, they had to they had to just make good tackles when they got the opportunity. I, I like the fact that Ward immediately was jumping in with three pressures in a game like this where where there was so much focus on getting the ball out quickly. Right. I mean another another addition that so far seems to be working. Credit credit to to Wink in the front office. Okay. Ferguson, a, a, a fairly big game last week against Pittsburgh when he had six impact plays in 18 non-penalty snaps. Uh, I thought he did a little bit less in this game in terms of uh, getting after it. I did notice one good edge set, which is nice to see. I want to see him keep working on that. But I think while McPhee is here, watching the punch-punch of McPhee, that's what Ferguson maybe needs is some Mm. heavier hands to go with that nice bull rush. Because it seems like if you can disrupt a guy and you have the good pad level for a bull rush, it would seem like that would be all make your bull rush all the more effective to use your hands. I mean, I think I think that's an excellent point. I mean, he's got to soak up what McPhee can can teach him. Judon, even who knows if he's going to be back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's he's got to soak that up. The the Ravens coaches um, appear very high on Ferguson, um, especially coming out of that that Pittsburgh game. Both John and Wink were very complimentary of him. I agree with you. He didn't get as much um, impact plays as last week, but he played 52% of the defensive snaps with 32, um, one pass defense. Um, So, you know, all you can hope for. I mean, here's my thing. Compare what John Harbaugh, how he used to talk about Tim Williams – 
and even Ty espouses yes. <laughs> to how he's talking about Ferguson, that alone should give you a lot of hope that this guy is on is is trending well ahead of them. Yes, I, I agree. And and you know, certainly it's it speaks volumes to the work ethic for starters. Ferguson had a big problem coming into this game in terms of he was he was on the field inexplicably in a certain sense for an enormous amount of yardage relative to his plays. I think it was 563 on 43 right. coming in 13.1 yards per play. Well, only 4.2 yards per play on 29 snaps in this game. So a big uh, a big step forward for Ferguson. It was one of the better numbers on the team is actually better than the team average. So uh, happy to see that. Happy to see him even though he wasn't making the impact plays personally to uh, to get a better team result out of it. Right. All right, we talked a little bit about Bynes. You know, another guy I thought made a good comeback game this week was Bowser. Right, yeah. Of, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, he even had a little of everything. Again, uh, he had 21 snaps, so he's out there 34% of the time, and I thought he made good use of it. Um, he had a tackle, he had a, his sack – uh, one tackle for loss and a quarterback hit, you may have more on the pressures. But I thought he he took advantage of the snaps that he had. Yeah, one sack, one pressure is what I've got him for. The quarterback hit is, is actually going to be the sack if you're looking at a, a oh, normal defensive sack. Yep. No, yep. That's all right. Um, and I've got him for one other pressure. I thought, I thought it was a good pass rush game for him, decent overall game. Uh, you know, it, it's it, what I think is it's a good comeback game. I, I It's... You have a sack in a game that should be two weeks of Harbaugh not talking about how you never get any pressure on the quarterback. He should buy himself two weeks from from that. But I thought this was a you know a decent game. I thought he's earned himself some more snaps next week. There's certainly more snaps to be had, and there are probably more snaps to be played. The Ravens outsnapped the Bengals 77-55 in this game. Massive. Is, it, it is massive. It's the sixth straight time they've beaten the opponents in, in snaps per, per game. They've averaged – they were averaging – 17.4 more per game coming into this game. So they were at plus 87. Now it's plus 107 through six games. Just doing the math in my head here. That's 17.8 snaps per game they're beating the opponents by. It's it's incredible. I, to convert that to time of possession, mm-hmm. <clears throat> 20 minutes, uh, Bengals, well, just just over 20, and then just under 40 minutes. I mean, that is almost double. Yes. The, 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 the Ravens are having the ball in their hands. I mean – my goodness gracious, keep it, keep it up. I mean, I love, especially, I mean, those were the, that was the strategy a lot they used last year, right? Like keep, keep that, that offense, the opposing offense off the field. And again, that is people, national media, everybody are having the conversation is, is Lamar Jackson running too much. I'm sure you guys will have that conversation tomorrow night when you talk about uh, the offense, which to me is just a tired, tired discussion. Um, but but this this running game obviously it's it's great for the offense it's their strength but when the defense is has this much turnover and you've got this many band aids I mean that running game on on the offense and just pounding the ball and the 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 one drive that for nine minutes and forty six seconds mm-hmm. I mean that is the defense's best friend right now oh, keep yeah. that up yeah this was, that that drive. Where the Bengals knew, here's what's coming. It's the run. <laughs> We're gonna set up with two backs all the time. We're gonna we might show you play action once in a while just to be nice, but but it's basically gonna be we're running right at you. They ran for six rushing first downs on that drive. Jeez. That's just I have 
I cannot recall that happening ever before. And, you know, it, it, it was the drive of the year in the NFL. It was it, it only ended up being a field goal. I'm fine with that. Um, if if you're really so greedy that your team takes over the ball with 13-32 leading by 10, and it's not a sufficient result that you lead by 13 with three minutes left when that drive ends, you got a problem. You're right. You're Let me tell you, if 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 the Ravens can replicate that, I mean, I'm, they're probably not going to get break the NFL's longest drive again. Replicate that against, you know, the the next two quarterbacks with Wilson and then Tom Brady. I, I mean, if you could just yes, just kill almost 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. If you have a three point lead, just kill 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. Uh, that is that is the perfect strategy if they can get it done. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, it doesn't always work with a nine point disadvantage, but yes, you're no, right. Exactly. Three point lead, it's ideal. Uh, it's uh, it can it could definitely help you win a game. Let's see, Marlon Humphrey. We didn't mention him yet. Fantastic game. He was all over the field in this one. Uh, you know, uh, he had a pass defense of the usual type where he took it right out of the guy's hands. Uh, he had the interception, which was really nice to see him make a hands play off Bynes. Mm, yep. Yep. I, I, you know, I hate to speak too, too big, but I, I just think that we're witnessing with Humphrey, the, the next great Ravens defensive player, mm. I, you know, they've got a lot, a long line of, you know, I, I'm not going to say he's going to be a hall of famer like Ray Lewis and, and Ed Reed, that, that, that'd be far too early. But, but when you just think back, you know, I think when we look back, we're going to be like Humphrey was one of those great defensive players. The Ravens are asking him to do so much. And again, where would this defense be without him? The last three weeks, they have him uh, shadowing the opponent's number one receiver. He holds OBJ to 20 yards. Juju has 75, but 35 of them was that missed, you know, punch and then let Juju mm-hmm. into the end zone, but then obviously made up for that. Then he takes on Boyd. Uh, and allows ten yards to him, mm-hmm. and then he and then back to back two two interceptions, back to back gets two game balls. Uh, he's he's playing very very high level football. Right. It's it is not too early. It's probably it's definitely too early to talk about the Hall of Fame yet for Humphrey. But oh, if he for signs, sure, for sure. If he yeah. signs his next contract in Baltimore, he's in my mind he's probably seventy five percent to make the Ring of Honor. I mean, it's yeah. It, it, he, you're guaranteeing basically that he's going to play about eight years here. If if it would be really difficult to project, maybe because I don't want to, but to project the kind of decline onto Humphrey that would make him less valuable within that period of time. Right. That did end. It did end quickly for C-Mac. C-Mac had some other lifestyle questions, I think, that went into that. He but, did. <laughs> uh, he you know, did. some reserve parking places at some pretty shady places around Baltimore. But but the, but the. Uh, uh, you know, he it, he lasted until 2006 pretty well. 2006, he had 15 penalties. 2007, he was hurt. 2008, he came back healthy, and Harbaugh benched him uh, in in about the yes. sixth game. So, uh, anyway, it was a uh, go ahead. Well, that, that's just the thing about Humphrey. I mean, I think you you know, I mean, not only is it his talent, which he's uber talented. Uh, try to find somebody on the roster. Lamar is obviously up there with a better attitude, with a better work ethic, with a better, I mean, you're constantly seeing him on Instagram with healthy food. I mean, he's just right down to like making sure he's always eating right. 
he's got, he, he looks up to his dad who is, you know, has been an excellent example. I mean, everything from the, from the talent to the character. I mean, he has what it takes to, to, as you said, for the next, you know, eight, 10 years to, to be very, very good. Yeah. I'm just, I couldn't be more excited about having him on that line. Let's talk about the MVPs from this game. You want to play along with me three to one? Uh, yeah, I wish I had prepared for this. I'm looking at your list. Mine is very similar. I might change up number two. Okay, but, uh, that's fine. Okay. Number three, I'm okay, with you, you on start. number three, which is Clark, okay. right? Yeah, like Clark got it. And, and I think there's other players who did more. I mean, Josh Bynes, I could certainly give it to him. He had some good run plays and then the tip for, for the interception of Humphrey. But Clark, to me, completely solidified this defense in terms of the flexibility provided and and who was able to play where so he gets my number three and and uh you know maybe he belongs there the rest of the season if he continues to do his own job yeah I, I, to me he has to be in this top three just just for this year to be able to take over tony's job to come a re, from a reserve role you take the green dot there's no breakdowns everybody's you know all your teammates are saying that that you did a great job i mean it's just the 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 hole that was left that he filled so solidly is is certainly worthy of 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 a top three MVP mention on on defense. You know what we didn't talk about at all? Jefferson's a lot of his value to this team is as a run fit guy to make sure that the other team doesn't break through into level two. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. 14, 14 carries for thirty three yards in the first game without Tony Jefferson is pretty freaking amazing. It's pretty freaking uh, amazing. And I feel like, like, to your point, Clark was a part of that, uh, you know, a part of of making sure that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number two, who's your, who's your guy? I'm going to put in Bynes. Um, I I just, again, I feel like, and I know he didn't have, um, you know, as many snaps as, as, as these other guys. So, but, but just the effect, the stable, the, the stability he's bringing to the inside linebacker, and and I credit that that interception that Humphrey got to, to Bynes. I don't I, I don't think he would have gotten it uh, if Bynes hadn't tipped it. I just I cannot say enough about him. And I just think the Ravens are so lucky to have him. Yeah. Unbelievable street pickup. It's uh, it's the kind you dream of in the middle of the season. Mine's Matt Judon. I thought he, he provided the pass rush that the Ravens desperately needed in this one. He won a one on one, a one on one battle for a sack. Admittedly, it was against a. Left guard playing left tackle, but still a solid game for Judon. Uh, He's also doing more uh, to be the automatic run defender that he needs to be, uh, and and I like that. So, uh, you know, he he gets credit for some of the run defense as well. Totally. You're number one. Humphrey. It's got to be Humphrey, and I just went off about him, so I I won't say any more. Okay, I'm in the same spot, and I think it's fairly obvious as as well. Just uh, playing. He He is the man on defense right now. Josh, what do you have for us in the mailbag? All right, just a few things here in the mailbag. And uh, first one up is from Brad. So there's been lots of talk and rumors about the Ravens being busy making phone calls about trades, and Brad is wondering if the Ravens uh, should call up Arizona and try to bring Suggs back to help with this pass rush. Ha! I tweeted about that the other day. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, okay I'll, I'll say this. Okay, uh, again, the whole trade talk, is is I almost can't wait for October 29th to come because it's so just Ravens Twitter is killing me with all these different tra- if it were up to Ravens Twitter the Ravens would would sacrifice the next five years of first round and second round picks for <laughs> Stephon Diggs and Von Miller and Jalen Ramsey and uh, you know the, the list goes on and on but I will say this I 
do think there is a, you know, pretty good chance that Eric DaCosta makes a trade before, you know, before the deadline, October 29. Um, I don't think it's going to be blockbuster, but I do think that if he does it, he would address pass rusher, pass rusher. And to me, that could very well make sense. I almost was a little bit upset to see Arizona win on Sunday because I feel like the more they lose, the more they'd be inclined to go ahead and trade off a couple pieces and start building up, you know, some more through the draft to put around Kyler Murray. And and why not Suggs? I don't think Suggs I, – I know that, that he decided to leave here, but I don't think he would complain coming back. I think he'd be totally fine with it. He obviously knows the defense. He has historic edge ceiling run stuffing. He can, you know, help McPhee be the best that he can be playing on the opposite of Judon. Um, if, if it were for a, you know, later draft pick, I'd be all for it. I don't think his, his uh, salary, it would be that much of a hit. I think that the Ravens could take it on. Uh, I, I would be for that. I just don't know if Arizona would be, and I'm pretty sure the Ravens would too. I don't. They didn't want to lose him. They didn't think he would. They didn't know. They didn't. They were a little bit surprised that he left. So, but that would that would be on Arizona, and if they'd be willing to do it. Okay, so let me go through the three parties involved because I think Arizona would happily get rid of him. Okay. I think they would they would happily trade him. The only thing that Arizona might be looking for is some of the value to sell tickets down the stretch. I just don't believe that's really you know going to be the primary concern. I think if they could get probably a sixth round selection they would do it mm. um it, it's it's a little bit of bonus maybe they require a five maybe they hold the ravens up for a five but i think a six is probably the right price you know they would look at it as we paid some of his signing bonus you yeah. don't have to pay that now so that doesn't count against your cap you got to give us a little more it's it's possible i think a five is is dear i think that's a little bit too much to pay i think a six is the right price and it would make a lot of sense I, I would I totally agree. I would I would give the sixth and and bring that man back to Baltimore. Right, but we haven't got through all the counterparties. So I think the Ravens would do it if if the price is right. Mm-hmm. The Ravens get the value they get is that McPhee can play fewer snaps. Suggs mm-hmm. plays a lot of his rundown snaps, and presumably we still make Suggs happy as a pass rusher because you know he's pretty much concerned about sacks at this point, or that is a concern. He's and got so to he, pad that Hall of Fame that Hall yes. of Fame resume. That already first ballot Hall of Fame resume, yes. He's yes. About it. So, so, yes, I think he's happy. The guy, the one I'd be a little concerned about is Suggs. Does he really want to leave home now where Arizona is and come back to Baltimore and play a half season and try and help this team? In some sense, it's a return with laurels to come back as the needed component to make this a playoff team. I think he could appreciate that. Valuation. I think he probably does not appreciate losing in Arizona. But then again, right. maybe maybe he's home and that's cool for him too. So no, no, Ken, Ken, Suggs. Listen, he's the movie guy, right? Mm-hmm. He loves a good story. I'm telling you, I think Suggs would eat it up. I think he enjoyed, you know, being back home for the offseason and all that. But are you? There's no way he would be. I mean, to come from, I mean, they're not gonna at this. Great. There's, they're, they're not coming close to being a playoff contender. To come back here and he gets the chance. He gets the chance to push the Ravens over the edge. He comes back home. He played against them in, in week one. This guy, he loves a good story. I think he would be all for it. Honestly, yeah. I I agree. You want to t- toss out one little extra carrot for Suggs? 
I think he's still one or one and a half sacks short of Willie McGinnis for the all-time playoff sack record. And that would be really sweet if he yeah. can come back and get that. So, uh, you know, I hope for it last year, of course, it didn't happen, but, but it would have been, uh, it would have been really nice. What else you got, Josh? Anything else? Uh, yeah. So Garnett is wondering if we should be running uh, more of a four, six on defense so that Earl Thomas can naturally play his deep safety and still have two run stuffers in the middle and allowing Chuck Clark to communicate with the defense a little easier. Okay, so the 46 defense is is a, a something the 85 Bears ran. It's been 34 years, and the National Football League has changed significantly. One of the reasons why you don't see a lot of teams pick up the 46, in fact, I don't know what other team really has played a, a true mirror of the 46, is that the game has changed in terms of run-pass balance since then. So you need fewer heavies on the field and more um, uh, you know, defensive backs, and, and you depend on a broader set of pass rush scheme from your defensive backs. So the Ravens do, in a sense, try and get that on third down with the quarter defense, because one thing they're trying to look at is a schemed pass rush fast from some point so they can get a, a an unblocked pass rusher. But I don't think the 46 defense in terms of, of, of the way the Bears played it in 85 is really ever coming back. I appreciate the the the, uh, the question, Garnet. Anything oh, else to say? About- I can't Sorry. add anything to that. That that was good, Ken. Thanks. All right, and then we've got uh, if the Ravens continue to go DB heavy, could we expect to see more man coverage? Uh, maybe I just I just think that uh, I think this was asked at the pressure the other day. Uh, I think the basic point is is that you just can't do too much of one thing. You got to keep yes. you know offenses on their toes. Um, you just you just got to keep <clears throat> switching it up so they can't go heavy either way. So sure, a couple plays here and there, more you know what I mean. But you just you just got to it's 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 the equivalent on offense of should they run more or should they pass more? You have to be balanced. You got to do both. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Exactly exactly how I'd put it. Um, what what they do give you, a DB heavy formation gives you pass rush flexibility. So because you have coverage flexibility, you can work your coverages various ways. That means man, zone, it means switching coverage, it, it means everything. Um, if you want to play zone differently, you can. If you want to rush the passer, you can. That's why I like DB coverages, uh, DB heavy coverages when you've got the personnel for it, because I think they're really no worse than linebackers in terms of beating the player they need to to get to the quarterback, because usually either needs a free run to get there in the in the amount of time required. So I, I'm with you, though. It's a matter of you can't play all zone. You can't play all man. You've got to mix it up, and you've got to keep the the opposing quarterback guessing at what you're going to do. All right. All right. I want to remember to get your questions in using the hashtag film study mailbag over on Twitter. I've got one uh, to close out this mailbag. I want to talk about Anquan Bolden. How big of a deal is it that he retired as a Raven, even though he only spent three years here in Baltimore? Uh, this this trend is honestly – this is why I think it's a big deal. I think it speaks to how well the Ravens are respected by players. Ozzy put this out there if he's got the number correct. He said that there's been six players that have officially retired as a Raven um, – recently and and five of them have played for other teams in Anquan's situation he's drafted by Arizona plays there for seven years 
has three bowl, Pro Bowls with him, is the Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's played for several other teams, but Arizona would be the other choice. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he wins a Super Bowl with the Ravens, so that's a big deal. But but right when the Super Bowl ended, the Ravens ask him to take a pay cut. He declines, so they trade him. Okay, and so he said today that he knew he's known for a long time that he wanted to come back to Baltimore to to, to be traded away like that and ask for a pay cut after you're a big weapon in in the Super Bowl. He could have easily become bitter. Earl Thomas doesn't look like he's super happy with his former team, even though he's won big with them. So so the level of respect where these guys keep coming back, where they're not drafted by the Ravens, they don't even spend the, the majority of their career in Baltimore, and they still want to do it, it just speaks so well to the front office, to the coaches, to the organization. I've worked there, so I can speak to it. Class act, and I get why all these players want to do it. I, I, I do, too, and I love that explanation. I'm going to just say this. Anquan Bolden last played in the NFL in 2016. It's 2019. Is he allowed to do this anymore? <laughs> I mean, he may have submitted retirement paperwork, or maybe he never did. Maybe he actually, maybe that's part of the fact is that he still hasn't submitted his retirement paperwork. So he's still able to retire a Raven, or they came up with some special one day loophole for him or whatever. But the, the other the only point I'm making is, I don't want to get to the point where Lenny Moore comes out, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, retires as a Raven with his one day because he's, you know, he's a great guy and he was a great cult. And maybe he just wants to show that, you know, the Indianapolis can kiss my, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the Ravens would love to have that happen, of course. Well, uh, well, I, I think we're talking, there's almost two different things here. You're, you're correct in that, like how you file retirement papers through through the NFL. And I don't know all the rules about that. But in terms of retiring with a team, all that's ceremonial. You know what I mean? It's all it's all just like, you know, a nod that you want to you want to give to each other. Um, I don't know that in those NFL papers that you have to declare a team that you retire with. No, I, I'm, I'm sure that's true. The, the point I was making is if you're not if you're already retired, you shouldn't be able to unretire. Yeah, or yeah, retire. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, but I, right. I agree. It's completely ceremonial. And right. I don't know. In the cases of Steve Smith, I thought there were one-day contracts that were involved, but they probably didn't involve roster spots. So they're obviously loopholified anyway. I'm Anquan. We loved you when you were in Baltimore. Fantastic Super Bowl run, and and we're happy to have you here. And maybe you know part of what they said to him was there'll be a Ring of Honor spot someday for you. He had a relatively short tenure. There are a couple of players from that era. Matt Burke is the is the other one, relatively short tenured who who may deserve it someday. Well, and I want to give a quick shout out because to John Harbaugh, I don't know if you saw the press conference today, Ken, when he got up and he talks about Anquan, he addressed the elephant in the room and he said, Anquan, he goes, we would have loved to have had you for three or more, three or four more years, but we could have had you, but that we only have ourselves to blame. And he goes, right, Ozzy, we only have ourselves to blame. <laughs> and, and for so many years... For so many years, the Ravens, and I get it, they, they, they pointed to, well, we, we had to cut him because we needed money to rebuild that defense, and then they got Doomerville, and I, um, I can't remember who all the guys were, but they re- were rebuilding the defense. But, but they just took away such a great weapon, Joe Flacco and him. Oh, it was just so beautiful. And I love the fact that finally today, it's been several years, but John Harbaugh stood up and was like, okay, we have ourselves to blame. We shouldn't have done that. There you go. All right, and Ken, to your point, 
Uh, Bolden signed a one-year deal with the Bills in 2017 and then retired, informed the Bills he was retiring two weeks into training camp. (laughs) (laughs) So he retired a Bill. Yeah, so technically the Bills were his last team. So, all right, Sarah, thanks for joining us again. I know there's you never have anything for us to plug except your Twitter. People should go and follow you, S.G. Ellison, on Twitter. That's right. I appreciate you guys having me back. It's always fun. Terrific having you. I, I, you know, the time always flies, and we've been an hour and 20 on this episode, but absolutely love talking football with Sarah. We'll make sure we get you back here as soon as we can, and, uh, and I hope you don't mind joining us again. For sure. I'll be back, if you'll have me. <laughs> All right, Ken, real quick before we get out of here, what's up on filmstudybaltimore.com? Oh, the def- defensive article is out. A lot of the things we talked about today, there is some additional stuff as well for you, for you to look at, to give Game Pass. Uh, we've got an offensive line article coming tomorrow. We got uh, this podcast will be out there tomorrow. Of course, telling people this podcast will out, out there doesn't really help them, but hope you enjoy this one. If you do, look for the defensive po- uh, sorry, the offensive podcast. Great guest tomorrow when we record it is Brandon Thorne from Scouting Academy. Knows a lot about offensive line play. We should really be drilling down into some of the Ravens play uh, in that area specifically. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, we'll have the Know Your Foe episode a little bit uh, later this week as well. And I have to come up with the, with the name of that. But anyway, look for the Know Your Foe episode. We're also doing a new series. I want to make sure people get in on this. If you have a topic for a film study short, Send me a direct message on Twitter. Send me a, a uh, however else you want to contact me and tell me what you'd like to discuss because we'd like to start creating these one per week, 10 to 15 minute discussion about a little bit deeper topic. Does not have to be technical. It can be GM related, trade related, roster construction, uh, offense, defense, scheme, not scheme, performance based, whatever you like. Happy to talk about it with you. And we would love to get one per week of those recorded. All right, that sounds great, Ken. And uh, we will talk soon. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single... 
double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get everything you need to keep your pets happy and healthy at Menards. Feed your canine companion the best with chicken soup for the soul. Their dog food is made with real quality ingredients. It provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy, healthy pets. Explore all our pet products in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save. 